Well, I'm glad you're here. Thanks for being a part of this. And, and over the next five weeks, we're going to be diving into the series about the parables. Uh, parables, parables have been described as the invisible words of Jesus. And, and the cool part is you're going to be able to hear five different takes on parables from people that are going to share. And, and I want to challenge you. I want you to be a part of this. I want to make sure that you take time each week to dive in and, and hear what's going to be shared because I think they're going to do an amazing job. And I'm excited about that and believe that uh, it's going to be just a great time. And so we're going to dive into one here in a minute. Mine is actually the rich young fool. And uh, you may say like, okay, well, what does that even mean? Well, there's a geek moment to this rich young fool parable. It's the only one where God is mentioned. And uh, I don't geek out that much uh, in moments like this, but that was one of those moments that I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. All right, but, but that kind of gives you a perspective of who I am. I'm, I'm a distracted guy. I'm not always like the dog and up, right? Squirrel every which way. But there are definitely moments where that is the case. Actually, it's become my wife's favorite quality about me. And so in the midst of this, it's safe to say that, that maybe you can resonate with that. Like there are ways which we are always distracted or, or we find ourselves distracted. Like what are we doing next? What's happening today? Is it time for vacation? Are we done with everything that's been going on and we're sick of it, right? But, but I'm there with you. I'm there with you in this moment of saying, I get it. Being distracted is a part of who we are and what is going on. And so there's a story that, that, I believe just kind of hits that on the head for me. Uh, I was in Guatemala a couple years ago and I love taking mission trips to Guatemala. It is absolutely one of my favorite things to do. Being able to share with other people from the church what God is doing in Guatemala and, and being a part of the lives of the Guatemalans and, and just working or just having a blast. And one of my favorite places to go in all of Guatemala is this waterfall that is actually the water is heated by a volcanic activity. And it's amazing, like it starts at 100 degrees at top and, and as it trickles down the rocks, it, it cools down and hits the water at about a, a cool 85 degrees. And it's amazing, we, we cliff dive off some of the ledges, it's pretty phenomenal. And so this one time I, I was super excited and I ran out of the van and I'm like, all right guys, let's go and we're running. And all of a sudden my friend Roberto calls out to me and he says, Chris, come back here in a second. And I came back and Roberto points down at the ground and, and on the ground is a tarantula about like this big. And I was like, holy cats, that's nuts. Thankfully it was dead, right? And it threw me off. But he's like, you gotta watch what you're doing. I thought I was more familiar with the area than I really was. And, and I got distracted from where I wanted to go because I was excited about showing my friends one of the cool places that I love. But we've all been there. We've had moments where we feel like we're heading one direction and we feel maybe more familiar with it than we really are. And we get distracted along the path that we're supposed to be taking. And what does that mean for us? And, and our world continues to provide tons of distractions. You don't have to look very far to find distractions that, that pull you away and, and draw your attention. Uh, for me, it can be cookies, right? There's nothing wrong with cookies. <laughs> Maybe, maybe it's Pastor David's unhealthy appetite towards barbecue. And, and trust me, he's not the only staff member that, that loves barbecue. And you can go down the list, bikes, uh, mountain biking. Uh, you can even talk about camping. The list, just insert your distraction right there. Well, hey, we're gonna look at a story which I believe Jesus dives in to talking about one of the distractions that, that we engage with and that we come to in a place of saying, oh, maybe... Maybe that is me. And, and you may say, well, I'm kind of familiar with that. I've got it. But I, I want to encourage you to unpack it with me as we go. And Jesus is in the middle of, of sharing a story. And 
And in the middle of it, he takes a breath, it seems like, and then somebody just jumps in and says, I need you to settle something for me. And, and in Luke chapter 12, we're gonna check it out. Then someone called from the crowd, teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. Jesus replied, friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? Then he said, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. And then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have enough room to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and I'll say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything that you have worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. What an impactful story. And I can't imagine that when, when the, the gentleman interrupted Jesus to say, hey, teacher, what, what, what was he going to say? I, mean, I, I think I know. Like, give me sweet retribution, right? Tell my brother what's up. Give me what's mine. That's all you got to say. Jesus, make him look bad for holding on and being greedy. And Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus dives into a story. And, and maybe the guy's just kind of inquisitive there for a moment going, um, I, don't think, I don't think you understand. This is not a difficult situation. Just tell my brother what's going on. Make him look bad. Let's go. But Jesus dives into the story, not just about, not just about the specific question, but he dives into a broad range of a heart issue that we have to deal with, that we have to come to grips with, one of greed, and not just one kind of greed, but every kind of greed. And there are actually four types of greed that, that as I did research and as I got ready for this time, I noticed, and, and they were hoarding, overspending, comparison, and entitlement. And Jesus gets to the heart of it. Life is not measured by what we own. Beware of every kind of greed. And so I want to share what I think are the good, the bad, and the ugly. And you might be thinking, well, that's pretty simple. I've got this. But, but I want to encourage you to just press in as we unpack this story. And, and it starts with the good. And maybe you thought that right away. I'm good, right? And, and if we look at this story, we're like, well, what's bad about it? The guy had everything. The guy had fertile land. He had crops. He had more than he needed. And what's the problem? The guy in the story had it all. And Jesus never said these things were bad. Jesus actually gave them to him. And, and just so we're clear, like in our context, in, in our sense of the word of good, we're good. Like we are blessed beyond measure with what we have in the context of a world issue. It's, it's unbelievable to fathom. But one of the things I want you to know, and I want you to check this out. Money is neither my God nor my devil. It is a form of energy that tends to make us more of who we already are, whether it's greedy or loving. And Dan Millman, I think, hits the nail on the head. It's, it's, it, it just brings out who we already are, what we're already doing, what we're already coming to grips with and trying to understand. And that brings me to a challenge that, that is really impactful to me. And it says greed desires to set the course of action. Greed desires to set the course of action. And, and hear me when I say this, greed is happy to set it. And, and I don't think any of us really want that opportunity. Like, hey, just give greed free reign in our lives. Shoot, my wife doesn't even want me to fully set the course of action. Uh, and, and, 
in this moment of thinking about this, I remember a story like when I was a young youth pastor, I was, man, I, I wanted competition, I wanted the challenge. And I remember we were in Oregon and the, the National Youth Conference came out that was in San Diego. And uh, we had a 15 passenger van and I had teens that wanted to go. And so the challenge was on right away. I'm like, all right, well, let's see. Okay, how long is it to San Diego? How many teens will I have? How many stops do I need to make? And I go through this list and I'm like, 14 hours. I think I can make it in 13. Five or six stops? Man, I think I can make it in three stops. And so I put it to the teens and I put it to the parents. I said, listen, this is going to be an intense trip. We need to make great time so that we can make the most of our time there. And I, I put it to them and I had, I had parents shaking their heads like, right? Like, you are crazy. Why are you trying to make it there so fast? I said, because we got places to go. All right. So in the middle of all this, I get them in the van. I warn them again. My wife is just shaking her head like, why are you doing this to us? And I said, just trust me, we're going to do it. And she's like, there's no way you're going to stop three times all the way to San Diego. And you know what? We did it. It was amazing. <laughs> and we got to San Diego. We went to the zoo. We had a blast before everything started. It was phenomenal. But, but it starts out like that. Greed starts off like that. I can do it. You got this. Why not? Get after it. Go for it. And in the middle of all that, we listen to less and less voices around us. It's, it's impactful to, to understand that as we continue to allow seeds of discourse, we allow greed to have a voice. We entertain those voices that say, you can do it. You need this. Get after this. Don't listen to those doubters. Don't listen to those people in your life that are telling you something different. We have to be careful. And it slowly takes us away from the good and puts us in danger, I believe. Greed also, and hear me when I say this, greed also disguises itself as fairness. They have it. You should have it. I think it's only fair that, that you get what's coming to you, right? The brother in this story was exactly that. He was like, listen, that's, that's my money. Tell him to give him my money. Oh, man, what a battle and a struggle that is when we, when we try to bring fairness into the equation because, I mean, you and I both know, right? Like our parents told us long ago, life isn't fair, deal with it. And so as I think about that, the voices that, that are inside of us that speak to us about fairness, but also the voices outside of us that speak to us about fairness, right? Like if your kids look at you and say, are we really gonna be the only family with sparklers? Really? Or dad, they have a pool, you know the pools are closed, right? Why, why aren't we getting a pool? We should do something about that. Or my favorite one, uh, Dad, did you see that their Traeger was actually bigger than yours? I think, I think they can get like six pork butts on there and yours only holds four. So, man, those voices are tough. That idea of fairness, like I, I need that, I want that, comes and, and it sets a course of action moving forward. And we have this sneaking suspicion that once we acquire it, everything will go away, right? But the crazy part about that is once we acquire it, something happens. We think we want more. And I blame Facebook algorithms for this, okay? Like, uh, like recently, we just purchased a new-to-us car. Like a new-to-us car for the sword outs is like starting at 100,000 miles, right? And, and maybe you're there. But, but in the middle of all that, the Facebook algorithms don't know that you bought a car, so they keep showing you car after car after car. Or if you've been looking for couches and you finally purchase the couch, and you go, oh, we've got it, we're there. But Facebook says, no, did you see this couch? Maybe you want this couch. And people ask you, well, did you get this? No, we didn't. Well, you should have got that. And it's just madness because greed 
definitely wants to set the course. And, and as one writer put it, greed never rests from acquiring more. And if we go with it, we could quickly lose sight of the good that we have. Things can go from good to bad really quickly. And one of the things I know, if that's the case, if things are gonna go from good to bad really quickly, and we're gonna believe that lie, we're gonna fight the lie that, that it's okay to have what we have, we have to be grateful for all that we have. And in James 1.17, it says, whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. To realize, to be grateful for all we have, that God is giving perfect gifts to us, coming down from him f- for us. And what a powerful reminder that is, that if we're going to stay in that good, if we're going to battle against the desire to go from good to bad, we've got to be grateful for what we have. Because if we're not, then we move into that, that category that says, um, things are bad. Things aren't good right now. And, and so in the middle of that, suddenly we find ourselves in the pursuit of keeping up. How can I get that? I'm not satisfied with this. And there are tons of voices that will affirm that position. There are tons of voices. Remember the four types of greed that we identified. Hoarding, overspending, comparison, and entitlement. The young man grew rapidly unsatisfied with the situation. He looked at what he had and he said, this, this isn't acceptable. And, and I don't know about you, like when we grow unsatisfied, like if, if we have money in my pocket, if I have money in my pocket, it's as good as gone. Or if we don't have a purpose for the money that we do have, it's such a dangerous place to be because that is gone. Like, oh, I don't have anything. Oh man, I've got, well, I've got this here. Let me just take care of that. And that builds that unsatisfaction. If we don't have a purpose, if we don't have an intention, and I think it's vital to tackle a couple of thoughts. He made the decision to tear down his barns and build new ones. Maybe his barns were just brand new, but he decided, listen, this is inadequate. This isn't enough. He was believing this lie. He doesn't seem to consult anyone before tearing it down. Listen, if we don't consult anyone before doing something, husbands and wives, you know what I'm talking about, right? Man, husbands, if you come home with something and you're like, hey, what do you think of this? We didn't talk about that. Wives, you come home and, and your husband says, hey, where, where'd you get that? Oh, oh, we talked about it. No, we didn't. Like, we have those moments, right, where you immediately regret not consulting your spouse or, or your parents about, hey, I did this. And they're like, yeah, we didn't, we didn't give you permission to do it. Those are, those are rough conversations. Those are tough moments in the midst of life. Because one of the things I know about greed is, is the, we move into the bad, but greed never tells us the whole truth. Greed never tells us the whole truth. We only ever see really the end result of greed, right? Like we only ever see the end result of getting what we want. We never see what, what takes place in the process to get to that moment. He seems to make the assumption that all these years will be like the other. He seems to make the assumption that, that everything is gonna be all right. There's nothing to worry about in this moment. And, and, and as a farmer, I feel like he should have known that that there are things that he needed to pay attention to. And so I, I got on the phone and, and texted a number of my friends that are farmers to say, hey, what's the danger in, in literally believing every year is gonna be the same? And I got some great responses. Uh, one of my friends, John, who's a, who's a farmer over in the wall area, he says, you can't predict disease, pandemic, or plague. My friend Darren, who's a farmer over in Minnesota, he says, uh, markets fluctuate so crazy and and you can have too little or too much rain 
Jay, a friend that farms up in North Dakota, he said, there's a danger in being set in your ways. Agriculture changes so rapidly and you have to be intentional with the ways that it changes as a farmer and lean into those practices. And then my friend John, who's just, just up north uh, on the other side of the border in North Dakota, he says, you, the danger is thinking you know it all. You've got to innovate. You've got to grow with it. You've got to be willing to press in to other people that are telling you different things about how you farm. General Patton said something that's so challenging. Take calculated risks. That is quite different from being rash. I love that. Combating the bad means coming to grips that, that if it all goes away, I'm blessed to have what I have. And, and if that's a realization we have to come to, that I'm blessed to have what I have, that, that he's the one that gives us that. We realize that it's all his. And in 1 Corinthians 10, 26, it says this, for the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. What a powerful reminder that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it and everything that we have belongs to him. And it's such a great reminder that, that not every year is the same, but God is the same. He's faithful. God is the same. And that's the only thing that we can bank on. But if we refuse to acknowledge that it's all his and we refuse to believe the lie that the enemy tells us that, that what we have is inadequate and it's never gonna get us to where we wanna go, things go from bad to ugly really quick. And things go from bad to ugly really quick. And, and we become foolish and we become consumed and we become just, um, just this sense of there's nothing that could satisfy us or quench it. Everything is, just, everything is just miserable around us. But what he didn't realize in the story is that his life was gonna be required of him that very moment. And so as we look in Luke and just kind of recap this, it says that I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything that you've worked for? There's so much intensity when Jesus says you fool. It means that one lives life as if God or God's will is of no consequence. Can we just admit right now, nobody wants to be in the ugly category, nobody. We all love the idea of taking it easy, eating, drinking, being merry, but we never really stop to weigh the consequences of what that looks like and how that plays out in our lives, what it takes to get to that moment. And the ugly truth of it all is, is that we never really, we never really see that we're in the ugly until we're, we're up to our eyeballs in it. We're like, we look around, how did I get here? How did I get to this place? Because one thing that we've come to understand is that a greed-filled heart is never satisfied. It's not just about the money, but, but what is lost in the process of being greedy. Friends, family, position, uh, just our overwhelming sense of security. Maybe things that we thought would be there are pushed to the wayside or forgotten altogether. And that's just an unbelievable place to be of coming to the realization that you look around and it's like, hey, I have all this, but yet you don't have anybody else with you to be a part of it. Another thing that I understand is greed intentionally blocks our view of the needs of others. Greed intentionally blocks our view of the needs of others. Every time I, I say that to myself, I think of Ebenezer Scrooge, right? The moment where Ebenezer is by himself, behind a desk, yelling at Bob Cratchit, saying, no, you can't have Christmas off. No, I don't care about what your family's going through. 
And you just have this sense of somebody that is so unbelievably happy. And this young man had such a great opportunity to look around him and see the needs of others. And trust me, it doesn't take long for us to look around us, right? And see the needs of other people. They're not hidden. They're there in plain sight. And are we going to take advantage of stepping into that opportunity to see others' needs? Don't make it, don't make it so difficult that something has to rattle you so hard that you begin to, to try to see beyond yourself into the lives of others, into the lives of the things that are going on around you that you're really losing at life. The end result of life can't be stuff or a loss of meaningful relationships from a life spent pursuing an elusive goal. We can get lost pursuing some elusive goal, some lie that we've been told that if we obtain this, if we get to this, if we understand this, we'll finally be at peace. And if we're gonna believe that lie and if we're in danger, I think there are some things that we have to do and, and one of the first things I believe we have to do more importantly than anything is guard your heart. Guard your heart, put boundaries in place, talk to other people, seek wise counsel, and everything flows from what is going on in your heart. And in Proverbs 4.23, it says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Man, those boundaries, those things you put in place that guard and protect you from going in the direction that you want to go. This doesn't have to be in just the ugly section. This could have been in the good section as well. If we are willing to guard our heart against greed, guard our heart against everything else that's going on, it's so essential. I put this in the ugly category, but man, how I know that it's vital and it serves a purpose at every stage of, of this story that, that we're shared. In our life, our relationship, everything is too valuable not to guard. And then another thing is be looking at others' needs. Be looking at others' needs. In Philippians 2.4, it says, don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Don't look only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. A generous heart is born with little, not with much. A generous heart is born. You don't have to reach a certain level to have a generous heart. Wherever you're at, just be generous. And, and it will only feed who we are ready and who we already are. When I was a kid, I loved uh, Paul Harvey. Uh, I'd listen to him in the morning and then in the afternoon, I would catch this moment of like the rest of the story. He had this segment and I always look forward to hearing the rest of the story. And, and that story is not just about the guy that we read about, but, but it's us. What is our story? What's the rest of the story gonna, what's the rest of the story gonna be? And I believe we get a glimpse of it in Proverbs eleven twenty eight. I love this. Those who trust in riches will fall, but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. And if you're like me, maybe in your mind you're going, a green leaf. Oh yeah, I have little leaves around. No, I'm not, I'm not talking about like that little four-leaf clover that you find while you're hiking in the woods. I'm talking like an Amazon leaf, right? Six feet long, it's as broad as my shoulders, and it covers the sun for hours at a time. And it really is flourishing and it's right where it needs to be at the right moment and the right time because it's bringing a thriving nature to your life. It's bringing you to a place of being able to look up and to trust and believe that this is exactly where you need to be. Trusting in riches won't get you there, but thriving in what Christ has for you and this story that plays out that shows us and challenges us to look inside ourselves. Am I in the good? Am I in the bad? Or man, am I really in the ugly? 
So I wanna ask you, what course of action are you willing to take? What's the course of action that you need to take right now? Because we talked about some things. Maybe you need to begin to choose to live with a grateful heart. Maybe circumstances aren't where you want them to be right now. And you would say, man, if only if, if only if, and we can get so caught up in the only if moments. But what I know is, is if we choose to live with a grateful heart, we, we allow that to flow through us. And I'm grateful for whatever I have, whenever I have it at the moment, because I know it comes from the Father. Maybe for you, you just need to be reminded that we're just managers. God freely gives it to us, it's his, but we just get to manage it. Maybe for you, you need to put some boundaries up in your heart and you need to begin guarding it and protecting it. And you need to come to a place of listening to wise counsel around you and saying, I need to understand that in such a greater way. Guard my heart. Heavenly Father, don't let me be swayed by what the enemy says and the lies that that he's trying to tell me that I need this or I need that. Maybe you're doing well in some of those, but looking out for the needs of others is the things that challenges you most because you need to know that you are so unbelievably blessed, but God gives you moments and opportunities to bless others, to invest in others, and to give out out of the blessings that he's given you. I don't know where that hits you, but but I pray that you would take a challenge to dive into one of those and see God work in your life. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this story and for the challenge that it gives us. We all have to come to a place of saying, man, my life is exactly where I want it to be, or maybe the tough reality that my life is not where it needs to be. And I need to take a step of action to say, God, everything I have is from you. I'm a manager of what you've entrusted to me. There are others that have needs that are greater than mine. God, help me guard my heart so that I can see you at work in it. I can trust that you're going to take care of me, that, that even though the years are different, the days are different, God, you, you're not different. You never change. You never change like shifting shadows and you, you desire to be there with us at any and every moment. God, we love you. We ask for your help in all this. Thank you for this challenge today. We pray this in your name. Amen.